sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Play it. The Cubs win the World Series. You are locked on Cubs. Your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. But we didn't come here to drink beer. We came here to win this ball game. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I said to the Uber boy, I said, take me out with the crowd. What's going on, Cubs fans? You're listening to Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Sean Sears, and on today's episode, we're recapping the series weekend win over the Pirates. The Cubs take two or three after a rough opening day. We'll talk about the differences, what basically what the differences were between Friday's game and Saturday's and Sunday's game here in the first segment kind of highlight some of the better things we saw from those other two games that ended up clinching the series against the Pirates. In the second segment, we're going to highlight two players, um, specifically Chris Bryan and Craig Kimbrell, both had pretty strong home fronts to start the season. We'll talk about them and their impact throughout the 2021 season. And then the third and final segment, we're previewing this Brewers series as they come into Chicago, uh, almost being swept by the Twins, one and two on the year. They were able to pull out their opening day win, but we'll talk about the Brewers and their lackluster offense to start the season in the third and final segment. But today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get yourself 15% off your next order. That's BiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. So, Cubs looked a lot different Saturday, Sunday. Looked like a team that could hit the ball. I guess when it's not super cold and you don't lose your starter after three innings, um, good things happen. But the Cubs offense looked a lot better. They were able to score some runs against this Pirate team that doesn't expect to be very good this year, but um, was still... Two solid wins. The Cubs offense shows up definitely on Saturday. We get a home run from Chris Bryant. We'll talk about him a little bit later in the show, but um, man, this was fun. (laughs) Those two games were a lot more fun than what we saw on Friday. And I think it was really easy for us to kind of look at that game and say, oh boy, here, here comes this Cubs team. We were kind of dreading. We were worried about this might be the team that shows up. And um, I I think Saturday and Sunday, we saw that this is a team that should be able to produce some runs. Um, Even if they're not necessarily crushing the baseball, um, we saw Javier Baez in this series, uh, making some good approaches at the plate and hitting balls hard. That were some tough pitches, pitches that he normally tries to pull or, um, you know, really tries to get underneath and drive. He just decided to kind of scorch a ball. And he had a couple that shot through in between the legs of Evans at third, some balls in between the third and shortstop. Um, that, that's really where Baez is, is going to start to drive runs in because he's not going to get those sliders like he typically does, um, at least not when he's ahead in the count. Obviously, when he's behind, he's going to see nothing but that and two seamers, um, you know, off-speed pitches, what have you. But I liked his approach. Obviously, when he gets on base, he's a threat. He causes issues. David Ross mentioned it, uh, saying, you know, Javi can be uh, a game wrecker on the base passes when he needs to. He creates a lot of havoc, and that's exactly what he did Saturday, stealing second and third and finding a way to score on the uh, after taking those bases. It was nice to see Baez be an impact on the game because it felt like through a lot, and especially even uh, Friday's game, he came up in a couple big spots and just didn't quite deliver. It was nice to see Baez uh, kind of look like Javier Baez. We hadn't seen that in a moment. Um, to highlight some of the pitching, I thought Zach Davies looked really strong in Sunday's game. Uh, for what it's worth here, in case you didn't know, the Cubs won against the Pirates 5-1 to on Saturday and then beat the Pirates again Sunday 4-3. to They did lose uh, 
obviously that home opener, but came back and looked a lot better. Uh, but Sunday's start with Zach Davies on the mound. He looked fantastic. He had one mistake. He gave up a two-run shot, and that was really the difference. But beyond that, five and two-thirds, uh, four hits, the two runs, two walks, five strikeouts. Just that home run really was what caused him some trouble. And even still, the play that he got pulled on uh, – at shortly after, Chris Bryant made an excellent play on the third base side. It was a chopper down the, the foul line. He picked it, threw it just barely late. Bryant and Rizzo, though, had some great plays combining together. Rizzo making some scoop plays for a double play for Bryant early on in the Sunday game. Um, Cubs turned a lot of key double plays. That was a big feat or a, a big part of this team. And we've seen the relievers turning those. Ryan Tapira got one. I think Rex Brothers got another one early on. Um, you know, that's huge, but Davies being able to go about six innings and, you know, obviously doesn't make that mistake. He probably there gets that out. He goes six. So, um, you like what you saw. The changeup was great. You know, a lot of people were talking about Davies pitches with a lot of confidence. And I, I think a lot of people that weren't familiar with his game, especially a lot of Cubs fans that might just remember him as a guy they, they saw every once in a while against the Brewers. Um, might not realize how good Zach Davies is. You know, people see his lower velocity. He plays down to some of that. Um, you know, people, I think, just assume this is a guy that, you know, fools guys on smoke and mirrors a lot of times. And he can do that a little bit, but it's not smoke and mirrors. Zach Davies is a proven commodity and a guy that I know Ryan Davis continues to champion this idea. If the Cubs could have traded for Davies and kept you Darvish, that ideally would have been, you know, the perfect pickup for this rotation coming into the season. So the Cubs are lucky to have Davies, lucky to have Hendricks. Um, you're hoping for a bounce back performance from him. We'll talk, or Hendricks, that is. We'll talk about that in the third segment here. But I liked what I saw from Davies. And then how could you not? fall in love with Jake Arrieta on Saturday. Um, looked like vintage Jake. Six innings, six hits, scattered that across six innings, just one earned run, just one walk, five strikeouts on 84 pitches from da- uh, from Jake. That was great, especially after a game where the Cubs bullpen, everyone but Craig Kimbrell pitched on Friday, um, and Dylan Maples. So Arietta was able to go six innings. You get to Workman, Chafin, and then Kimbrell and close that down. That was great. Um, you know, I, I don't think we can necessarily expect Jake um, to pitch like that Every game, um, he did get some calls that went his way. You know, there was a strikeout in particular, I think, on uh, uh, Anthony Alford that, you know, looked like ball four, but got called strike three, got a little bit of help. But, you know, that's that's the kind of stuff that when Jake is on and you see that stuff kind of nailing those inside corners on the black, on left-handed hitters, tailing away from right-handed hitters, um, you know, the umpire's more you know, inclined to give you that call when you're nailing those corners. And Jake was, uh, the breaking ball was working for him, had pretty good velocity located in the bottom half of the strike zone. Wasn't afraid to elevate some pitches though. And that really was the success for, for Jake, um, being able to get some of those pitches higher up really made everything else a little more effective for him, but his cutter slider combo, there, able to, you know, tail away from those right-handed hitters, nail the inside corner for lefties. That's where he's going to succeed. And then plays his two-seamer off that, that sinking fastball he throws, tailing away from left-handed hitters, coming in on right-handed hitters. That type of tunneling that Jake is able to create in the bottom half of the strike zone is really where we're going to see success. And uh, for a swing-happy pirate team, he, it worked out just in his favor. We'll have to see if that is the trend as he starts to face, obviously, more competitive teams. And that's really going to be the litmus test. We knew this Cubs team should be able to beat a Pirates team. They should be able to take two or three from these guys on a regular basis. Same should be said for this Brewers team they're about to face this week. That's kind of scuffling to start the season. Um, and the question is, are they going to be able to manufacture these runs against some of the better top talent teams in baseball? Are they going to be able to, you know, maintain this type of success in the pitching rotation side of things, including their bullpen, which looked a lot better too um, after that so-so start to the uh, the season on opening day as well. Um those are kind of the questions you have coming in here, but right now, at least Chris Bryant 
having a great season to start the year so far. Looks like the Cubs' best hitter to start out. Um, we're seeing Rizzo and Baez contribute in moments. Uh, Ian Happ and Jason Hayward both hit their first home runs of the season. Uh, some good at-bats from Jake, Jock Peterson. I still think uh, – I rewatched some of the games quickly uh, before I jumped on here from this weekend. I still think there were a couple balls of the winds blowing out at the right time for Jock Peterson. He probably has two home runs um, to start the campaign. So I, I, I still think there's a lot of things that are just kind of scratching the surface at. But – there was an interesting article um, came out from Bleacher Nation today talking about how the Cubs are pulling together by pulling for yourself. And, uh, you know, Ross was talking about everyone's on kind of a different mission. There are guys here that are young, trying to prove they're established big leaguers. There are guys who have roles and are trying to establish their everyday players. And there are guys that have been labeled that they can't do this or can't do that. There are guys who are on one-year deals on the back end of their contract. Everybody's on their own journey. It's a powerful thing to be able to prove what you truly believe. So it's kind of interesting because it's showing at least that the Cubs are somewhat coming together as a team by recognizing that uh, they need to perform here this season to basically kind of open up the directions for them for the futures of their their career, whether or not that means staying in Chicago. It's incredibly important that they have solid 2021 seasons to set themselves up for wherever they go. Jason Hayward talked about it too as well. It's, It's just exciting. Rossi talked about it this week in our opening meetings. A lot of people have things to prove individually. And that's a fun thing when you talk about a group pulling together towards trying to win a championship. It's very easy to root for your guys. That's awesome. And uh, kudos to David Ross to be able to come to to push this togetherness vibe for this team because everyone's kind of on their own mission, but collectively they all have the same goal, which is to win baseball games. Because if the Cubs continue to win, no matter what these stats are, it's going to look better for these teams. Even if Chris Bryant has a meh season if the Cubs continue to win people are going to say well he contributed and he's going to find ways to contribute because Chris Bryant as we're seeing at the beginning of the season is too good not to so um man it's fun this is a fun team and it's awesome to see these guys are all rooting for each other and you know obviously we don't want to over you don't want to overplay a weekend against the Pirates and think oh yeah this team's on its way to you know competing for the NL Central and maybe a championship crown. Um, but you also want to say, too, this is a good start to the season because it, it very much felt like doom and gloom after opening day if the Cubs had dropped a stinker series against the Pirates. Even if they'd won two or three, um, there'd be a lot of questions coming into this. But I, I think the Cubs have at least silenced some of the noise, and I think that's incredibly important for the longevity of all these guys figuring it out and being a good baseball team. Hey, Locked On fans, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, for real updates on odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use the mobile app device to sign up today and receive 50% off on a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. All right, so here in the second segment, we're highlighting two players. This will be kind of a new recurring segment I think I'm going to do after weekend series. Is we'll kind of highlight the 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 bat and the pitcher that made the biggest difference for the Cubs and the reason they either won or lost that weekend. Um, so for this weekend, they obviously took two or three. They swept the Pirates over the weekend series, at least if you want to look at it that way. Um, and Chris Bryant was a big part of that. To start the season so far, he's got three hits, a home run. He's walked twice, I believe three times, actually. Um, looks really strong at the plate, and that's obviously something you're really excited about if you're a Cubs fan. Um 
because Chris hitting and Chris driving and runs is key. But I wanted to go back to some of his at-bats, and I, I watched each one of the bats where he hit the home run, the double, the RBI single he had throughout this weekend. He was ahead in the account each of those two times that he got the extra base hits or the uh, the drove in a run. The double was actually the first pitch he saw from Dwayne Underwood. But I saw he was in a 2-1 count, and I was trying to think when was the last time I saw Chris Bryant in a 2-1 count. So I went and looked it up here. In 2020, Chris Bryant only got 22 at bats, 26 plate appearances altogether, and is in a 2-1 count. And during those times, he actually batted uh, .091. Awful. Obviously not great. Now, you don't want to go off just bat, uh, batting average itself from those numbers, but you take a look at what he's done in his career numbers, his splits here. In 2019, Chris Bryant batted 309. He got about 94 at bats, uh, 122 plate appearances, and in those game, in those moments, he drove in 21 runs, walked 28 times. He did strike out 31 times, but seven home runs, nine doubles. You got extra base hits galore. Obviously, pitchers or hitters are going to do better when they're ahead of the counts, but we haven't seen Chris Bryant quite necessarily get ahead in a lot of accounts recently. Um, looking at his career numbers, when Chris Bryant is batting ahead in the account at a 2-1 count or a 3-1 count, let's say, his batting average climbs to 272 and a 2-1 count and a 316 batting average um, and a 3-1 count. Not surprising. Career norms, though, have batting averages over the last, or career norms, excuse me, over the league average for the last couple of years, dating back to 2018, is about a 250 batting average. So Chris Bryant, obviously, hitting about 20 points higher in a 2-1 count. His batting average at a 3-1 count, 316, is a little bit higher. League average is about 280. So Chris Bryant, obviously we know, is an above average player. He's going to hit league average, above league average when he is ahead of counts. But it hasn't been happening nearly as much as we've seen in past. Obviously 2020 small sample size, but Chris didn't get himself a lot of accounts. He spent the majority of his account his counts down. Um fighting back, trying to you know stay alive, not so much attack pitches. And with Chris's bum shoulder at times and then a hurt wrist and playing through injuries, trying to you know take advantage of the pitches you normally do take advantage of and not having that power, I think made a big difference. But we see a 2-1 count for that fastball or for the home run, a 3-1 count on the RBI single, and then that double he hit against Dwayne Underwood, he just jumped on that first pitch. The three walks, the three hits, this is all telling me Chris Bryant locked in and we're, we were hearing this from David Ross all spring training that Chris Bryant felt like he it felt like he was having great at bats even though the numbers weren't translating to that quite yet Chris was seeing a lot of pitches making good swings attacking the right pitches those things for an elite level player like Chris Bryant are eventually going to translate to production and we're seeing that early on in the season now we have to now see what does Chris do in moments where he is getting you know early fastballs. We saw him up crush that ball from Dwayne Underwood, a former Cub. Maybe there's something more there than just him anticipating fastball. But if teams are going to recognize that Chris is obviously batting average is shooting up when he's seeing more pitches at the plate, they're going to start attacking him early. That means Chris Bryant has to be ready for the high and tight fastball. That's a ball that he absolutely annihilated in 2018, 2019, 2017. Struggled a little bit after he got hurt in 2019. We didn't see him necessarily crush that pitch in 2018 as much as he did at the beginning of the season, but it started to become an issue for him where it felt like up until he got hurt in 2018 and parts of 2019, that was like something Chris Bryant absolutely crushed. That was his pitch. He felt like guys tried to test him high and tight, and he could get to that pitch a lot faster than people gave him uh, credit for. I think a lot of 
you know, different types of spin rate, certain pitches they're throwing high. There's a lot of guys that can throw two seam high up there now as well. So there's a lot of movement at the top of the zone now, more so than there has been in past. That affects that, but it just felt like Chris just wasn't himself. He's healthy. He's got a great attitude. He pointed to his son after he hit his home run. He's got a new outlook on life, and I think it's going to translate to hopefully some better baseball. Um, but at the very least, Chris Bryant getting on base, Chris Bryant hit, getting hits, he doesn't have to necessarily smash baseballs. Just getting hits and being a productive player in this lineup is huge. So let's hope that trend continues. The other guy I wanted to talk about was Craig Kimbrell. Um, looked filthy. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Craig Kimbrell, nasty. Obviously, the Marquee Network put up a, a statistic, uh, I think it was on during Sunday's game, that showed only Araldus Chapman had a higher strikeout rate over the league since Kimbrell, Kimbrell had entered it. Um, I think it was at like 41.5. Kimbrell's at like 41 even, something along the lines of that. Relatively high strikeout rate. Obviously, Kimbrell's a, a very much boomer bust. He's either going to strike you out or he's going to walk you or hang a pitch and give up a home run. His stuff is that electric at times, but it can be absolutely electric, but not located correctly. Uh, you know, a 98 mile an hour fastball doesn't mean nearly as much as it did five years ago. That's a pitch that guys see now and, 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 you know, still tough to time up and still tough to hit. But if it's in the wrong spot, a 98 mile an hour fastball, isn't much of a surprise anymore. Guys can handle those pitches and take them. The other issue too, is if Kimbrell's not throwing those strikes, all of a sudden that knuckle curve, not as effective change up doesn't quite work cutter that he'll throw from time to times, not necessarily a pitch you're going to lean on so if he can't locate the fastball and he's walking guys and then he's trying to be too fine with his stuff if he makes a mistake it's a three-run shot as opposed to maybe a single double or you know whatever it may be so it, it, it's all about obviously not walking guys Kimbrell five strikeouts on the on the season so far he's only had one out retired um that got put in play and that was a liner to Javier Baez yesterday to end Sunday's matchup he's looked really strong he is facing a swing-happy Pirate team. We'll have to see what happens when he, when he goes up against a Brewers team that isn't necessarily scoring a lot of runs, but does have a lot of patience throughout that lineup. I can't imagine he's going to be available today after pitching two days in a row. So I would think it would be Brandon Workman. That would be maybe the closer. Maybe it's Andrew Chafin, depending on how they want to roll with that. I, I doubt Chafin is the guy they close with. Actually, I said that and felt stupid. But Workman seems like the guy. Otherwise, maybe Dan Winkler. But, um, you know, hopefully the Cubs can just score a lot of runs. They don't have to worry about that. But... I liked what I seen from Kimbrell. He picked up his first save of the season on Sunday, and you know, when it comes down to it, his looked great. There's nothing really to pick apart with Kimbrell. It's really quite simple. If Kimbrell gets ahead of a count, he's incredible, incredibly impossible to hit. As well as as soon as, as assuming he's locating his pitches, what we saw from Kimbrell at the end of last season and now coming into the beginning of this season is really encouraging. And even though he's just absolutely been jackal and hide for the Cubs in moments, and even when he's been good numbers wise, the results haven't necessarily looked great. Um, that's starting to change a little bit, and it feels like this weekend was big for Kimbrell, big momentum builder. He had a big smile on his face after he got that save on Sunday. Looked really good Saturday as well, striking out the side. Um, Craig Kimbrell getting right in his bullpen makes everything else work. And not just about the bullpen, but everything else about this team. Having a reliable guy you can go to in this bullpen that hasn't really had that, you know, picture perfect arm of reliability since Strope got hurt in 2018, 2019, maybe. Um, the hope was that Kimberl would come in and save, solve that for them in 2019. At the end of that, it didn't quite work out. 2020, he figured things out eventually, but was still considered a liability. I, I mean, I'm not ready to say Kimberl is a stud um, <laughs> coming out of this weekend against the Pirates, but I think he's a guy that clearly, when right, is still very effective. So 
animosity is going to come. There's going to be moments where Kimbrell gets lit up. That's going to happen. He's going to walk some guys and have to go Carlos Marmol and maybe base base loaded strikeout guys um, to pick up a save. That'll happen probably. Kimbrell's 33. You you expect some degradation at this point, but um, his fastball doesn't have to be triple digits for it to play off of his changeup and his knuckle curve. As long as he's locating that pitch, the other two are not going to be hit hard for strikes or hit hard you know, put in play at all for the most part, but not hit hard enough to produce runs or hits. Um, If he can continue to, you know, pound the strikes out, hit the corners, miss guys have missed his high fastball, and then he can come and attack the lower half of the zone with his knuckle curve, a change up. And if he wants to work that cutter in a little bit, um, everything else plays off of that. But if Kimbrell locates his fastball, like he has been so far this season, he should have a pretty solid year and might pick up a lot more saves. than I think people would give him initially credit for because, because of how close I expect some of these games to be for the Cubs this year. What's up, Cubs fans? We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is an amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Uh... <laughs> Crazy stuff going on. Uh, basically, Built Bar is running a March Madness tournament with their bars. So head to BuiltBar.com, or excuse me, yeah, head to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN15 to get yourself 50% off your next order. But also head to BuiltBar.com or go to Built underscore bar, or bar underscore Built, excuse me, on Twitter to check out the uh, the bracket. It's been going on for a couple weeks now. Um, <laughs> just really cool stuff. Uh, awesome marketing from built bar and also awesome opportunity for you guys to get some of their newer bars i just got sent a new box of bars and as well as like they actually had like protein powder pre pre-workout stuff really cool they've just got a lot of different products that i honestly wasn't familiar with until i got a care package for it but head to builtbar.com use the promo code locked 15 to get yourself 15 percent off your next order that's locked 15 to get 15 percent off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and see who is and what is the best tasting protein bar out there all right here in the third and final segment we are previewing this three game series with the brewers a team that um, is coming off a pretty rough series against the twins they were able to pull out a win on opening day like i talked about at the top of the show they scored three runs um just uh, in the bottom of the ninth to pull out a win on opening day itself. And they forced extras and won that game. Um, But they they scored a combined two runs on Saturday and Sunday. They're not necessarily looking like a very impressive team at the moment. There are some moving pizzas here. Jackie Bradley Jr. was kind of added to the puzzle late. Um, Colton Wong is on this team and playing second base, and that's great. But it means Keston Hira is now the Brewers' first baseman, who is a great bat, but not a guy that can play good defense, really. Um, Brewers run differential right now, negative 7, 25th in baseball. Cubs are plus 3, 9th in baseball. They're averaging 2.67 runs. Cubs, 4 runs per game. Have allowed 5 runs. Cubs have allowed 3 runs per game. These numbers mean nothing, but they're there for you. Um, what I think I'm keeping an eye on here for me, it's the starting pitching. I, uh, I think that's incredibly important for the Cubs. If they can continue to see Trevor Williams and Adbert Elzelai go five, six innings and keep this bullpen relatively fresh to start this season, I think that's key. Um, we know Alec Mills will probably get worked in at some point in this series, whether he's coming in relief for Williams or, or Elzelai, like they're anticipating, I would think. Um, but I'm excited to see Alec Mills get some action. I would assume the Brewers are that team, especially with him pitching that no hitter last year. I, I hope to get to see Mills just for that aspect alone. But I, I the starting pitching is going to be key here. If the, If they can kind of, 
you know, keep the Brewers continuing to struggle at the plate. Um, the Cubs should be able to scratch across some runs against this pitching. Today's pitching matchup is featuring Brett Anderson versus Trevor Williams. Anderson, obviously a former Cub. Last time he faced the Cubs in 2020, he went four in a third, five hits, two runs, two walks, five strikeouts, gave up a home run and 87 pitches. I believe at that point he was with, um, was it the Dodgers or something? I forget who he was with at that point. Um, whatever. It doesn't matter, but a lefty guy that the Cubs hopefully can maybe jump on, um, in terms of numbers against Anderson, uh, I know Jake Marisnik has in four games actually a 2750 OPS. He'll definitely be getting a start against him. Happ in three games, a 2000 OPS. Bryant in three games, 2334. Uh, the guys that you would expect to hit lefties well, pound him. The only guy I'm surprised by, Baez, uh, five games, an OPS of 400. Lefties are a guy that obviously soft tossing, tossing lefties are usually guys Baez can really crush. Um, Williams, on the other hand, the Brewers are going to be familiar with him, with, obviously with his time with the Pirates, but the Brewers are one of those teams that actually doesn't have a lot of guys who have played in the NL Central and has teams coming in and out of the roster a little bit here. So realistically, there's only like a couple guys that have had significant plate appearances against him. Orlando Garcia, a 978 OPS. Um, Colton Wong, 20 games and 977 OPS. Pretty solid there. Navarez, just two games and a 1500 OPS. Keston here in eight games, 2625 OPS. So some good guys. But like you see, there's a lot of guys here who have never had plate appearances against him. Um, that'll probably make a big difference here for Williams. So that that's a big plus because we talked about it in a previous show, how the Cubs have their pitching staff is probably going to be the most familiar to all the other teams in the NL Central because even though they've got replacement guys coming in and Davies and Williams and, and Alzali to some extent as a newer guy, um, they've all pitched for other NL Central teams. Obviously, Alzali just the Cubs, but Davies and Williams, clearly two guys that the NL Central is going to be familiar with. Um, Brewers are one of those teams that doesn't quite have a ton of guys that have been on this team for a long time or been in the NL Central. Colton Wong coming back and staying, though, is kind of keeping up with trends, though. Williams last year uh, in 55 and a third innings of work, a 6.18 ERA, um, 49 strikeouts to 21 walks. If Trevor Williams can get back to his higher velocity and start striking more guys out while locating a little better, those home run numbers come down. 15 home runs in 2020 is nutso. Um, he gave up 27 in 2019, but in 2018, in 170 innings of work, just 15 home runs, 126 strikeouts to 55 walks. That's the Trevor Williams the Cubs are hoping they can get. We'll see. A 3.11 ERA on the season for that. Uh, Brett Anderson, 47 innings last year, uh, 4.27 ERA. The season before that, 176 innings, a 3.89 ERA, 90 strikeouts compared to 49 walks. He does give up home runs, though. Long ball's an issue for Anderson. 20, 20 long balls in 2019, 6 in 2020, and just 47 innings of work. Uh, Cubs hopefully maybe can take advantage of that. Uh, beyond that, though, I mean, for the most part, this, the Spurs team is scuffling. They, they're still trying to kind of figure out the parts of their lineup. They are not necessarily missing anyone super important to the lineup itself, um, but they're expecting big things out of Christian Yelich. That's pretty much how this team is going to rely solely on if Yelich is really driving in runs. But Lorenzo Cain's a big part of that as well. Um, so we'll see what goes on for there. For the Cubs side of things, what I'm focusing on, at least on the offensive side, is uh, Wilson Contreras. I like that. Uh, I think it was Michael Cerami that pointed out in their breakdown uh for the the series that Wilson Contreras had kind of he's been featured prominently in this lineup either leading off or batting second but hasn't done much so far six strikeouts 
two walks, hasn't got a hit yet. Um, the thing for me with Contreras is, is he's got such an aggressive approach at the plate sometimes. If he's not necessarily seeing those pitches at the top of the pl- top of the, the lineup, he's got to be doing damage early on accounts. He's not doing that. He's missing some pitches, and he's kind of chasing a lot of balls that aren't, you know, things we typically see Contreras do a lot. Um, that hopefully gets tightened up a little bit more against the Brewers team. Contreras does hit well at Miller Park, so maybe things change, but that would be something I'm focusing on. Another part, Jock Peterson, like I said at the top of the show, um, there were a couple balls. I think if the wind was blowing out or not blowing at all instead of in, Peterson probably has two home runs from this weekend. He definitely would have had one on opening day. Um, a fly ball, sack fly, or the sack fly the Cubs had, the scorer, I think it was Bryant, to start the game on um, Friday. If the wind's blowing out, that's definitely gone. If the wind's not blowing at all or maybe not necessarily blowing as hard from outside, that's probably gone too. Um, it says a lot about Key Brian Hayes' shot, though, because holy crap, that guy smoked that pitch off <laughs> Kyle Hendricks, and the wind was definitely blowing in from left field. So that was impressive to put that 15 rows deep in left field. But um, that's what I'm looking for from this Brewers team, not necessarily figuring things out. They're a team that never gets too high or too low, though. They always kind of find their way in the middle. It would not surprise me to see the Cubs struggle against their pitching, especially the bullpen. The the Cubs always have issues with the Brewer bullpen, as every team in baseball does, I think. The Brewer's bullpen is really strong. So that's why it's key. It scores many runs as you can off Anderson because it only gets tougher from that point. The Brewers don't necessarily have the insane bullpen that they've had these last couple years, but Devin Williams and Josh Hader alone are enough to scare me. Um, And those two guys just... (laughs) <laughs> make Cubs pitchers or hitters look silly and they do it in a very minimal amount of pitches. And that's, uh, that's really the scary thing because <laughs> they could go a couple innings and only, you know, strike out the side, but throw 10 pitches for each one of those innings. So that's uh that's the approach. Get on Anderson. If the Brewers do have to go to their bullpen, try and see as many pitches, fouling pitches off from guys like a Williams and Hayter, especially early on in this series could be even more valuable than getting a hit at different points, depending on how you want to look at that. But um, with that, that's today's show. We're excited about uh, this Cubs team. They turned things around a little bit for this weekend. We're hoping that Chris Bryant's hot start can continue to propel his offense. Um, it's not necessarily looking great that an extension is coming for him, but Chris Bryant continues to hit the ball. It's going to be tougher and tougher for the Cubs to not at least have those conversations. So I'm up for it. But 640 start here Monday against the Brewers. You've got Trevor Williams going up against Brett Anderson and this Chicago Cubs team at Wrigley's. They finish out their last home series before heading on the road for the first time in 2021. But that is our show. We appreciate you guys sticking around. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. Make sure you're following along on whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Spotify, Apple, um, the Odyssey app, which used to be radio.com. Uh, is now Odyssey. You can find a bunch of places like 670 The Score there or whatnot, as well as our podcasts. Um, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star follow, leave a five-star review. You guys enjoy the rest of your day, and as always, go Cubs! <laughs>